0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story and I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for educators to thrive in their own. That's what we talk about on this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? So are you on Twitter? I'll be honest, I used to be on Twitter a lot. You know that app where uh, you can just share whatever's on your mind with whoever's listening? And, and honestly, when I first got on Twitter, it was a place that I really enjoyed being, especially for education purposes. So like when I first joined in 2010, every time I logged on to Twitter was like sitting down in a virtual meeting room with dynamic educators spread across the globe. Yeah, a teacher from Arizona would tweet about promoting creativity in schools, and I'd respond from my couch in Michigan, and for the next hour, teachers from around the world would discuss why or why not schools needed more creativity. People would tweet their blog articles, and, and they'd cite research, and they'd tell stories, and sometimes people would argue, and maybe even I'd argue a little bit, and then... At the end of all of these rich discussions, I'd log off Twitter and I'd have this swollen brain after engaging in a discussion that would then directly impact the work that I did in school the next day. In 2010, when this started for me, Twitter was a breeding ground for rich discussion and conversations. It really was, and I think that's what it was designed for originally, and that's what it was for me. It actually had an impact on how I approached my work. And Now, if we flash forward 12 years, this morning I saw on Twitter thousands of replies to a negative comment about Ariana Grande's hairstyle, and then there were thousands of others agreeing or disagreeing with Will Smith slapping Chris Rock At the Oscars. And then there was a bunch of stuff about how people feel about the American president. And of course, endless inspirational tweets designed to get as many likes and retweets as possible. And this is why I'm not on Twitter that much anymore. And honestly, why I really try to limit how much I'm on social media at all. It feels so much like an echo chamber where no one actually listens to each other. And it doesn't honestly bring me a lot of joy anymore. It's this place where it can get hateful and spiteful and and people share sometimes really good thoughts But then they get torn to pieces about them or they share really bad thoughts and people are agreeing with them And it's just not a place that really feels rich and it feels very one-sided Whatever you believe or however you approach the world It seems that you've got your people on Twitter and they are either agree with you or you're doing everything you can to get them to disagree with you. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of healthy discourse anymore. Like there used to be 12 years ago when I first got on that bird app. You know, I, I saw recently that 95% of people, including teenagers have access to a smartphone. Do we even use the term smartphone anymore? Now it's just a phone. And 45% of teenagers say that they are connected to the internet On a near constant basis, this tool that has this dominant tendency to weaken public discourse, it's almost like an antithesis to good discussion is constantly at everyone's fingertips. And as a result, it feels, and maybe you would disagree and that's okay, but it feels like public discourse seems to be eroding as a result of it. Now, before I get too doomy and gloomy, I should state that there are still many fruitful connections happening all over Twitter and social media and the Internet. It's not all political arguments where no one is listening to anyone. I mean, there's there's still good stuff, and that's why I try to put out the stuff that I put out. I want to contribute to the good side of the Internet, and I'm sure you do as well. But it isn't difficult to notice the major trend in how people discuss online. The accessibility and anonymity of the internet has made it a place people go to share opinions without gaining new ones. Right? Online discussions are often about proving points rather than hearing diverse points of view. Hiding behind a screen and a keyboard makes people feel invincible. Mean words and false information go unchecked and have little, if any, ramification as soon as the app is closed. And the apps are increasingly being closed less and less. And one of the major ramifications of this, you know, the how people talk online seems to have a direct impact on how they discuss or don't discuss in real life. And this has an impact on so many aspects of a person's life, including their professional one. Jeff Weiner, who's the CEO of LinkedIn, he says that communications is the number one skills gap for employees in the 21st century. The ability to listen and respond to others is critical in the modern workforce. Now, Whether working in a traditionally communicating job like sales or business leadership or in a technical field or even accounting, people have to be able to discuss with each other. Communication is essential for healthy collaboration now more than ever which makes the discussion skills and how they're eroding because of the internet and other external factors so pertinent, right? It's so important that we do something about this. Okay. So that's it for the doom and gloom portion of the podcast. I'm not going to spend the whole time just berating our lack of discussion skills in our modern society. Well, because here's the good news. That's right. There is some good news here. People can learn how to discuss discussion skills can be re-strengthened and taught. And this is why discussion should be one of the key pillars in any classroom. I mean, in fact, in my opinion, there should never be a single day in school where students are not conversing with each other on some type or given some type of opportunity to discuss, whether it's discussion about academic or social topics, Students need to develop the ability to communicate effectively because there's a lot of forces working against those skills, that skill to be able to communicate that we need to fight back against. And that's one of the things that teachers, educators can do. We can be very intentional about making sure that this skill is developed in our students. So let's dive in to some ways to promote really great healthy discussions in the classroom. And what I want to do is I want to start by listing criteria or components that every healthy class discussion should have, and then we'll break down different ways to meet each of those criteria. So here they are. In order for students to participate in rich class discussion, the first criteria that every discussion should have or every uh, classroom should have to meet the needs of a good discussion, number one is it's got to be safe. Number two, discussions have to have a clear purpose. And three, they need to be student owned. Let's talk about safe first. Students will not and I mean kindergarten to PhD students, will not engage in class discussion if they feel they will be attacked for expressing their views. No matter what a student says aloud during a discussion, the teacher has to ensure the environment is safe for them to do so. And this sounds easy enough, right? I mean, just don't laugh at or shame a student and the environment will be safe, right? Well, however, even minor incidents can be enough to send a message to students that the class is not safe to discuss in. And as a result, discussion will become a place where students are afraid to dive in and contribute beyond the the surface level of where discussions often tend to go you know one time my class was having a whole group discussion about a novel we were reading and one boy just kept raising his hand to talk and when i called on him for the fourth time in that class period i kind of blurted out i said okay we've heard enough from you on this let's hear from somebody else and as soon as the words left my mouth i realized they were the wrong ones I mean, immediately that student put his hand down, feeling slightly shamed, and I could feel the, all of the energy in the room begin to drain. No one wanted to contribute to the discussion because they believe that they could be called out next. I mean, I should have said something like, hey, I love what you have to say, but I want to hear what everyone else thinks as well. But unfortunately, that's not what I said, and I had to rebuild some of the culture in the class to get students to discuss again. I mean, it was something as simple as that that kind of lowered the safety level in the room. You know, speaking up in class takes courage, especially when it's a new or unfamiliar skill. We have to create an environment that doesn't impede this skill. So, along with monitoring yourself, myself, this also means facilitating class discussion to ensure that other students keep it safe as well. And this is why I've always had discussion ground rules that are on display and we review them before every single class discussion. And these rules can be something that you develop with your class where you ask them what guidelines should be followed during class discussion. But then there are these rules that we stick with, that we make sure that every student knows before we get into a discussion. You know, for instance, they could look something like this. Number one, listen respectfully when someone else is talking. Number two, be critical of ideas, but not people. Number three, allow everyone a chance to speak or participate. Number four, ask for clarification if you're confused. Five, always work towards a shared understanding. Six, collaborate. Don't Compete. If it's number seven, if you're offended by something, call it out immediately. And and I've got these rules on the walls of all of the classrooms I've ever taught in from middle school classrooms, all the way to future teachers who I work with now. There's always this understanding that when we discuss, these are the ground rules and they are non-negotiable for yourself and for students. And you know, and part of your role in facilitating discussion is ensuring that these ground rules are followed. And the reason we follow them is to keep the discussion environment safe. So by the way, I have a poster with these exact ground rules for free on my website if you are interested in that. It's part of a resource called the Collaboration Toolkit, which has a bunch of different resources and tools to help you lead collaboration and class discussion. I'll put the link to the toolkit. Again, it's free. It's just a PDF with a bunch of links in it. I'll put that in the show notes for this podcast. So that's criteria one, making sure that this, the, the environment for discussion is safe. Criteria two for healthy class discussion is make them purposeful. As I've said before on this podcast, authenticity is at at the heart of student engagement. When students engage in work that matters to them and they see its benefit, they will be much more likely to immerse themselves in that work. So to maximize discussions with your class, you have to find ways to make them authentic for students. And this starts with stating the why. Try to make it apparent before any type of discussion why the class is having it if your students just finished reading a passage and you're about to have them turn and talk about it first say to them all right guys i want you to hear what the people around you thought about the reading to see if it compares or is different from what you thought so turn and talk to your neighbor about it this simple line is giving purpose to the discussion they're not discussing with their partners because that's just what you do in your class They're doing it for a specific reason. The purpose also has to be relevant to students for it to be a motivating factor. Students value their schoolwork more when that work is relevant to their own lives. And this is why discussion in the classroom has gotta have purpose, and that purpose should be apparent to students. So when creating a lesson plan that has a discussion in it, maybe spend a few extra minutes thinking about the purpose of the discussion and devise how you will explain that purpose to students. Include why it's important for the task at hand, which is understanding the content, but also explain the transcendent purpose of the discussion. Why does it matter to them? Why is the hard work of deep discussion worth having in class when it would be much easier to just sit it out and not say anything? And beyond the explanation, find ways to make the discussions personal in some way. If you're going to have a discussion on the Declaration of Independence, start by asking the question, when was a time in your life that you wanted to be a rebel? You know, this, by asking the simple question, it serves as a hook. It grabs the student's attention with personal relevance before diving into the deeper content. And whether it's a full class discussion or students are talking to a partner for 30 seconds, having purpose for the discussion will amplify engagement no matter what the task is. All right, final criteria, and that is this, make the discussion student-owned. I remember a time in one of my classes as a freshman, which was, by the way, one of the most difficult groups of students I've ever taught. I shared a couple stories about that specific class already in a past episode. Well, one time I was holding a discussion on gender inequality. These were in my standards. This is something that we needed to talk about, and I wanted them to understand. And so I stood in front of the room, and students faced me as I called on raised hands to contribute to the discussion. And only a couple students, unfortunately, dared to put their hands up for such a content Topic. And after the class heard the same two students give their opinions what seemed like 10 times each, the discussion completely stalled out. And I could hear nothing but crickets in my classroom. And, and, you know, this was an incredibly important discussion to have. And one that was extremely relevant to my students. But getting them, most of them, to say a word about it was like getting 15-year-olds to not look at their phones for an hour. You know, I halted the discussion for the day and told students that we were going to return to it tomorrow. Well, I did some thinking that night, like, okay, how do I get my students to want to actually talk about this? So I did some thinking, some brainstorming, and the next day at the beginning of class, I had students write down all of the ways they saw gender inequality in their own lives. And then I had them write questions about the topic that could not be answered with yes or no. And after they finished writing, we sat in a circle and I asked them to have a discussion with everything they just wrote. Well, at first there was silence as they waited for me to ask the first discussion question. And I just responded that I'm going to sit this one out and that they can lead it. They've got the questions that they put together. Well, again, there was a little bit of an awkward silence as they looked down at their writing and their questions. And finally, one brave girl said, I don't think it's fair that girls have dress code restrictions and boys don't. What do you guys think? And all of a sudden, it seemed every student in the room tried to chime in at once with their opinion, many agreeing and some disagreeing. And for the rest of class, these students sat around and they talked about gender inequality. And the next day, the students came into my room begging to have another discussion. That is not a hyperbole. They were literally pleading to sit in a circle and discuss. And for the rest of that school year, this class of students that was so so difficult to manage had this this strange new awesome culture built on having discussions. They, they literally would, would ask me all the time, like, can we talk about something? Can we discuss? And, and you know, part of that engagement was due to the relevancy of the discussions. They liked talking about things that mattered to them. They, you know, This was a pretty relevant thing, especially for the girls in my class. They'd seen it with their own eyes and for the opportunity to help illustrate it for others and talk about it and discuss it that was relevant and that motivated, that engaged them in this classroom activity over and over and over. However, the discussions were also rich when we talked about an act from Shakespeare or using tone in poetry. I discovered on the day we discussed gender inequality, the value of student ownership in discussions. When when students have control of their work and guide it in the direction that they want to, they will be much more deeply invested than if the teacher is in complete control of it. Research published in the Journal of Education Psychology shows that students are more engaged and even develop a deeper understanding of the material when they have ownership of it. And this makes sense. Is there anything worse as a teacher than having to use scripted curriculum, being told what exactly you have to teach, how to teach it, and even when to teach it. We are more passionate and more empowered when we are trusted with our classrooms and to lead them as we see fit. Now, it's still helpful to receive leadership and guidance to lead our classes, but everyone wants to have ownership of their work and be trusted as professionals. Well, guess what? The same is true for students. Student empowerment is one of the most powerful teaching tools. And it's also one of the most difficult ones to utilize. For one, the traditional model of education is extremely teacher-centered. The teacher plans, the teacher dictates, the teacher leads, the teacher is in charge of class discussion. And this is how most of us knew school. And it's not easy to shift that paradigm. It's also not easy to give away control. Student-led activities, especially discussion, can be messy work. Teachers can plan the activities leading up to discussion, but if it's truly student-led, it's going to be full of unknowns as soon as it begins. And this raises questions about how effective will the discussion be? Will it hit the benchmarks and targets that have to be met? Will the discussion stay on track or veer off as discussions often do? You know, these are realistic concerns and are often what prevent teachers from giving away control of the discussions. Absolutely. However, it's vital that teachers become facilitators rather than leaders of them for the sake of strong collaboration and student engagement and deeper learning. One of my favorite discussion strategies that's all about student ownership is called a Samoan circle. And the Samoan Circle is a fast-paced strategy designed to facilitate large group discussion and allow participants to share and listen to each other's point of views. Now to hold a Samoan Circle, which by the way, I have a video on YouTube. If you just Google Samoan Circle, you can probably find the video where I kind of go into more detail about it with some visual. But for the sake of the podcast, let me try to do this on here. To hold a Samoan circle, what you do is you place four chairs in the middle of your classroom and have the entire class form a circle around them. And the class will have a discussion but students can only speak if they're sitting in one of the four chairs in the middle of the circle. Everyone on the outside of the chairs can only listen. And if a student wants to join the discussion, they can tap a student's shoulder sitting in one of the chairs, and as soon as that student is finished speaking, they have to vacate the chair and let in the newcomer. So the discussion is really isn't about the students sitting in the chairs, but really the whole group, because they're all part of it at different times. It's about listening and contributing when you have something to contribute. You know, the room is silent except for the four students in the middle of the circle. And the discussion can move with the rhythm of students revolving in and out. And I'm telling you, every time I do a Samoan circle, I see students wriggle in their silent impatience to get into one of the chairs and share their thoughts, engaging in the content of the discussion by listening more than talking, and students control the pace and the direction of the discussion, while the teacher stands on the outside facilitating only when necessary. It's student-owned and therefore more engaging. So try out the Samoan Circle. You might really love it or maybe make a variation of it, but any type of strategy or process that we can use to give students more ownership and add a little bit of a gaming fun element to it, the more you're going to see students start to engage at a deeper level. But here's the reality. Your students will probably not sit in many Samoan circles throughout their lives, especially once they leave school. Rarely will anyone start a timer and require everyone to stay silent while they speak. So what's the point of doing them? Well. My thought is discussion protocols and strategies are to help students build their discussion muscles. They'll build their confidence to be able to share ideas and information and not let it stay trapped inside their heads or just to get spewed out on the on the internet. You know, becoming a better listener in English, math, or science, or history class will actually make them better listeners to their friends and spouses and coworkers and constituents and followers. The ability to discuss is not a skill that is all of a sudden needed in the 21st century. Informative, healthy, persuasive, rich conversations are a part of what it means to be human. They've always been and always will be needed for a thriving society. Whether someone's an introvert or an extrovert, a Republican or a Democrat, accountant or graphic designer, people need to know the art of strong communication. And it's needed to combat some of the deterioration caused by Snapchat or TikTok or texting or Twitter, all these things that are trying to kill discussion. But they don't have to because discussion is a skill. And like I said earlier, Skills are like muscles. The more you work them out, the stronger they become. So that's all I got, friends. If you like this episode and want to learn more about class discussions and collaboration, you can check out my book, The Collaborative Classroom. Also, like I mentioned earlier, I have a free resource online called The Collaboration Toolkit that has 12 tools that are super helpful when leading collaborative work in your classroom. You can get them on my website, which I've linked in the show notes, or you can just go to trevormure.com and you'll find them pretty quickly on there. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast today. The next episode will be out next Monday. Thank you everybody for all you are doing to make learning into an unforgettable story for students, for discovering new ways to make learning epic. See you next time.